What's up, everyone? Welcome to Desolation Radio. Dan Neath. Hiya, you alright? How are you? Yeah, very good. I realised actually every time you ask me how are you, I answer and never ask you. Do you? How rude. Yeah, I'm good though. Okay, good. I'm glad. Um, I'm, I'm good as well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, so I forgot what we're talking about now because you, you're, 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 you're a brother. Yeah. Uh, your sort of violation of you know, social norms has just thrown me off. Like, um, so today we're going to be talking about whale, whales, obviously, <laughs> um, but we're going to be talking about the representation of whales and Welshness on film. And we're delighted to be joined by Dr. Nick Stradlane. Hello, Nick. Hi. Nick runs the now famous Whales in the Movies Twitter account, which you can find at, at Movies Wales. You alright? Pretty good. Pretty good. Hanging on in there, log. Good. Okay, so going back to the pretentious sort of introduction, I think, for, we're going to see what... Give a comeback, isn't it? Um, <laughs> missed it last week. So why is it important to talk about you know the movies? Um, so we're going back to our good friend Tim Aiden Sor again, who you might remember I spoke about in previous episodes particularly the one on uh, branding with Sid Morgan, which is uh, the last but one. So Tim Ainsaw, you know, and Michael Billig and all these sociologists, they talk about how we come to know ourselves as a nation, as national. You know, how we begin to instinctively understand, you know, the national traits, the unique qualities we have as a nation and, you know, the landscape and things like that. And he says, you know, national identity is partly sustained through the circulation of representations of spectacular and mundane cultural elements, that's boring already, <laughs> including those featured like the landscape, everyday places and objects, like we talked in SIDS about you know, brands, material things like commodities. College cheese. College cheese, yeah. Um, famous events and rituals, you know, the Stedford, gestures and habits, you know, being friendly apparently in the South, you know, saying what's happening, but and things like that. Yeah, well, there's um, a line of compiled uh, yeah. a thorough compiled. Uh, top 10. Yeah, pretty the top much. Top 10 ways of being Welsh. Like, um, Examples of tradition and modernity, which are held in common by large numbers of people. These are how you know we all, as a collective nation, understand what it is to be Welsh. So, Aidensaw draws attention to the central role that film and images you know play in this process of you know, becoming to know what you know the nation. So, you know, when we talk about national identity, we often talk about like high culture. I mean, you know, maybe particularly that's true in Wales. You know, poetry, literature, things like that. But he says what well, we, we tend to neglect the role of the mass media in film. Um, so he says it's through films that national myths and images of the nation are sort of reinterpreted, recreated and recycled. He says, you know, quote unquote, they reaffirm old and new meanings about national identity and history. You know, film helps to recycle the national landscape. If you're always seeing, that's what my nation looks like on film. So there's, he, in the book he talks about representations of America on film, like the classic American road movie like you know Easy Rider and things like that and how people have a certain idea of America in their head because of the way it's constantly represented in film you know, westerns like, too as well yeah, like yeah. rugged individualism yeah it's the classic there's the, the, the films yeah yeah films have a, a classic uh, a certain they reinforce a certain idea and image of the nation and certain places are, are obviously seen as you know or certain landscapes in particular and certain behaviours are constantly reinforced through film so he focuses on particularly on Braveheart, you know, and how big a deal that was for Scotland and how it massive it was in terms of like reinforcing Scottishness and you know Scottish national pride and things like that. Even if it was like fairly inaccurate uh, portrayal, if you see the Stuart Lee yeah, thing yeah. about uh, about Braveheart, but you know it's like it, Braveheart was capitalising on myth. It wasn't really meant to be accurate, but you know the, the power of the myth, the power of Braveheart, you know, and 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 
because it was a massive Hollywood blockbuster, means that the film's just been used and interpreted in so many different ways. And it also shows how, and this is really important, we'll be talking about this now, is that it, it locates the production of national identity as at least partly occurring outside the nation. So in this case, Mel Gibson, you know, an Australian actor who, who you know, like lives in Hollywood, creating and embellishing this idea of William Wallace, which may or may not be tied to Mel Gibson's bizarre obsession with torture and Catholicism. And it's the same with Hollywood representations of Ireland, particularly through film. Someone else's idea of Ireland has definitely helped produce the common sense idea mm-hmm. of what it means to be Irish. And that's partly related to the, the size of the Irish diaspora in America, which you know, Will has never had, things like that. Anyway, enough rambling. We'll talk about... So, Nick, tell us about you know what it is that Wales in the movies does and, and how, how you got started. Well, how did we get started? Probably I backpacked a lot. Uh, first time out of Europe, 21 years old, rocked up in a hostel in Sydney. Um, I'd only ever been on like lads' holidays to the Costa del Sol previously, like, you know. Classic. And um, I think I rocked up in a hostel in Sydney and they used to take everybody's nationality in them international hostels in those days. And the guy said to me, heard my accident and said, are you from England, Scotland or Ireland? <laughs> To which was quite jarring to me, and of course, on many levels, because that's an inconsistent England, Ireland, or Scotland. Hang on a second, where's Northern Ireland? Where's UK? Mm. Um, so I said I'm from Wales, etc., etc. He looked confused. Um, so I then asked him why he didn't have Wales on his option, and he said, "Well, because England, Ireland, and Scotland are countries." And then he said to me, "You've seen Braveheart, right?" <laughs> so that's probably why I'm sat here now altogether. Like, kind of that started me off on a slow process of realizing the importance of. You packed your stuff, turned right around, and just went straight home. I wasn't far off. Yeah. I could feel like myself getting a bit hot and sweaty. If I wasn't so tired, I'd storm out of here right now. Yeah, <laughs> if I wasn't so tired. Yeah, thousands of miles away. Fourteen-hour bus, like. You know. <laughs> of course, we were in New South Wales at the time. Yeah. Uh, capital of New South Wales and Sydney, so. Uh, yeah, that was kind of it, really. So I just thought, well, um, about 10 years later, after you know having some kids and doing more traveling throughout my 20s, speaking to people across the world and listening and all that, I just thought, well, films are really important in showing a country what it is. And um, I think I'll, I'll just read you a little quote here, touching on what you were saying. I'm reading from a book called Wales and Cinema, The First Hundred Years. And it says, on page two, an introduction, this was a quote taken of 1986, from a book called The Imagined Nation. It says, in many countries, film is recognized as an important form of cultural expression, capable of reaching a great many people. It is time that those people who can influence cultural policies in Wales recognize that fact and began to establish the framework that would allow such a film culture to develop. That was 30 years ago. So, since then we had a deluge of Welsh films. As, uh, <laughs> yeah, can't as move from call it. To arms. Just we're just stuck in them, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah so I'm many. They're like the Marvel films. They just <laughs> one every year. Well, I'm a big, yeah. big uh, exponent of a Welsh cinematic universe. Yeah. I think we should be doing. Yeah, but um, so that that was it basically. So we kind of a couple of years ago started blogging, realised that I was being a hypocrite and that it's about seeing things, not reading things, and thought well. I'll start buying every film that's ever been set on Wales, and there's actually much more than anyone would realise. Interesting. Much, much more. Um, much many more, should I say, than uh, people would realise. Uh, most of them marketed terribly, and a lot of them not very well known, but there's also references to Wales in Hollywood which may have gone under the radar, which, if there were more of those, and more of those positive Irish, for example, yeah. Celtic 
uh, stereotypes. So I started uploading clips to YouTube about like, you know, when Wales is referenced in, mm. you know, Braveheart, for example, or when it's referenced in Mars Attacks with Tom Jones. Or, is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What, where's the reference in Mars Attacks? Tom Jones is in a scene and he meets this boxer Oh, yeah, and he goes, oh, I saw you fighting Cardiff Wales once. All oh, right, Cardiff Wales. <laughs> yeah, I liked in uh, World War II, that's where they land in Cardiff. <laughs> so it's, just, it's a forest. Missed that, like. And the other one we talked about previously was in was in Pride, which was like amazing. But it's a like, great film. It is great, but it's like I th- still think it's a bit of an orientalist portrayal of Wales. The best thing, well, the funniest part was when they were like, "Where are you from?" And the guy who's Irish, like the actor's Irish, obviously was like from Rill, and then he drives up to like you know Rill, and it's like this like. Rural homestead in the middle of the mountains. It's like the it just, uh, shot from uh, League of uh, oh, League It's of just Germany, the funniest thing ever. Like, just. But I also quite like that because he comes to the southern Wales and he says, and he's from rural, and he says, "I'm home and I'm gay and I'm Welsh." And he takes a swig of his drink, and it's like, well, it's a kind of togetherness there. That although they do kind of mention South and North Wales. Yeah, it's just the same thing, isn't it? It's the, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So what is it? I mean, so obviously that's. How you got started and things like that. So what 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 exactly do you do? Like what is the Currently I'm writing a long essay review for How Green Was My Valley. So I did a vlog video recently with top ten Welsh movies, considering okay. what I consider the best films which represent Wales to an international audience. So um I had Twin Town as number one, Human Traffic as number two, so I reviewed them both as my first two film reviews of my shed back home. And the third one I'm doing, which is a much bigger departure from the kind of contemporary tone of Twin Town and, you know, uh, human traffic. So I'm doing, writing a long review and I'm about to record it next week of How Green Was My Valley, which is very interesting um, in many ways and how it's kind of, that would be maybe Hollywood's go-to reference um, in the 20th century for Wales. Was it John Ford? John Ford, yeah. Uh, Hollywood has a, 20th Century Fox has a policy not to remake any John Ford pictures. No way. So you won't currently see a remake of How Green Was My Valley, but Mr... David Berry, who wrote the book that I'm sitting here with, Wales and Cinema, um, writes extensively about it. So um, mm. there's lots of very interesting uh, cultural explorations you can make about that movie and how you mentioned how it's created an image that most people don't know about, to be fair. But if there is a reference for Wales in Hollywood for people of the generation above you and yeah. I and us here, then it's probably how green was my valley, singing Welsh miners, blah, blah, blah. Is Paul Robeson in that one? No, no, it was Proud Valley. Proud Valley, right. Yeah, the most of them have got Valley in the title. Yeah. <laughs> just one, like, just one massive one, not loads yeah. of different ones. Okay, so you've compiled, I mean, you've been compiling, like, a list of the top ten Welsh films. So, one's Human Tra- one's uh, Twin Town, two, Human Traffic, three, Yelgrins and Valley, what are the rest? Four is Patagonia, uh, Mark Evans, who I met at Tapwell last year, top top fella, bought me a beer. Um, seen the film Patagonia? Nope. I can I can give you all these on DVD. You know I've got them all. Uh, five was the Englishman who went up a hill but came down a mountain. It's a Hollywood representation of Wales. Whatever problems you have with it. John Price, aren't he? Sorry, is that, is that John Price? The director. Hugh Grow, is he? Is John the Price acting? Is is he in it? John the Price? Mm, no, no, that's a very Annie Mary. Ah, right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, six was, what was number six? Hedwin. Hedwin, yeah. Seven was The Last Days of Darwin, Richard Burton's first ever screen appearance. Right. Um, about the drowning of villages mm. uh, in 1949, so 20, Nephew. 16 Nephew. years. Never heard of it. Yeah. Um, no, well you wouldn't unless you do an investigation, but it's a really interesting piece of work. You know, flawed of course. Eight, what was number eight? Can't remember. Um, nine was a film called The Dark, which was a horror film. 
um, set in Wales with references to the Welsh language and Welsh mythology with Sean Bean and uh, Maria Bella. And number nine, number ten, I can't remember. We'll, we'll return Check to it. Check it out on YouTube. Top ten Welsh movies. Go and get involved. Do you purposely forget them so you can plug it? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so smart. Yeah. Nothing to do with being up since 4am. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so you said about, you know, this previously this this attempt to or you know that we should create a national uh, film culture. So, you know, Aidan saw again, he says, you know, what's you know, you can identify a national film culture in a number of ways. He says it a, f- a focus on certain identifiable national narratives and myths, you know, by a tradition of particular genres of film. Mm-hmm. As you said, Nick, before that might be like, you know, the Western, well I don't know, like, you know, maybe social realism perhaps in Italy or something like that. Um you know, by codes and conventions of acting, by codes and conventions of screenplay writing, through body language, you know, the actors, the actors produce, and by the signs and values which nas- national stars, for example, Michael Caine, Sean Connery, seem to sort of embody. embody. Yeah. Good word, isn't it? Embody. And it's also distinguished according to the market it's designed for, you know, whether it's, oh. whether it's referred, you know, is it an internal market? Is it like Hollywood is it for other people who is it for and that's it really but it's as you said it's it, film is so important in not just marketing like the nation but also in reinforcing who we think about you know what we think about what Wales is when you talk a bit more about how green was my valley mm-hmm. and the betrayal of what's the betrayal of Wales it was dubbed in that. it was dubbed by a historian called Peter Stead as an Irish Shangri-La there's a lot of issues with the film because there's a couple of Irish dances in it. Yeah. Um, but more or less, it's a representation of Wales. Wales is referenced within the first 90 seconds of the script. Mm. Um, within, f- I think within five minutes, you've got Cumron the mm. Men of Harla, uh, the mm. and Callan uh, son, all in Welsh language. So, uh, But most of the cast are either Irish or Irish-Americans or English-Americans. So... The main issue with that is also um, the film itself is also the lavish representation and uh, romanticisation of uh, Welsh miners. So they've all got huge effing houses, <laughs> and they're there on Sunday with a big leg of lamb. Yeah, and, uh, just as just as we know, it's how it was. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But, um, the Welsh Labour historians have completely skewed mm. it all. Like it was all it, those terraced it, houses were just one big house with multiple doors. It was. <laughs> If you watch the exterior, right, when the first no couple of scenes, it's pure TARDIS material. You've got this little, little tiny miner's cottage. You walk in, and it's like a huge expansive, and they're all sitting in there, like 20 people having a party. They build down like they do in London. <laughs> yeah. But, um, like, kind of what the film does is, um, I'm not sure about the book, it's based on a novel, which was only a couple of years previous, but what it basically does is the film does miss a lot of opportunities to comment on Welsh history and, like, the... Uh, the, the struggles, Tonopandi riots, all these things that occurred around that time. And I think this was done intentionally by the scriptwriter, not from a Wales focus, but just to make it a better film. Like accessible in yeah. More accessible, yeah. But, you know, I wouldn't recommend the movie to a modern audience unless you want to go and explore Wales. It's interesting for me or you, but from a modern film perspective, it's not exactly a kind of, you know, through line of a character. It's very kind of sprawling, not much focus on the story. I think it's Clint Eastwood's favourite movie. It won the Oscar for Best Picture in the year of Citizen Kane. Wow, it beats Citizen Kane. So a movie set in Wales beats Citizen Kane to Best Picture. Imagine that these days. eh? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I mean, the representations of Wales, personally, I haven't got that much issue with it. It's it's got Welsh language in it. Yeah. Um, There's some horrible kind of 
called Save the Queen moments, but we won't go into that. Interesting. Um, well, that's to I me mean, that's probably not not historically inaccurate. You know, consider you know the, the sort of role of the miners in like uh, the South Wales, you know, the Imperial South Wales, and things like that. And, right. like, you know, they they all rallied around the flag in World War One and things like that. But um, so that's really means. All right, so we've got that representation of Wales. What what I find striking, you've said mainly the actors. You know, thinking about this idea of a national film culture. Mm-hmm. And back then, when was it? What year is that? Like forty one. So forty one. You know, you've got one of the you know, good representation of Wales, albeit by non Welsh actors. Mm-hmm. We've just talked about Pride, which I thought was a fantastic film about Wales, albeit hardly any Welsh actors in it. You know, you've got Bill Nye. The, the, the rest of the actors, you know, most the, of the Welsh actors in it, you wouldn't know their names. You might have know their faces. Yeah, but, yeah supporting yeah. roles, but the main sure. ones who are in there for the, you know with. I think bad Welsh accents. Although, although Paddy Considine is a, a pretty good one. Yeah, he's a good actor, mate. Yeah, great actor. Accent. But it was almost like, well, I don't see why. And that, that I think is about the political economy of movies. What, given that there are, we are, we know there are very good. There's a reservoir pool of good Welsh actors. Why not? You know, why not use Welsh actors? Given it is sure. Um, and that's one of the weird things about you know, do we have you know, do we have a national film culture? Um, You'd probably say perhaps no, given that there's more so than than at any stage in the last thirty years we do. I mean, you've just watched a film called The Library Suicides recently. Have you I mean, really mean to, mean to watch that? I was in chapter. Fantastic of, piece of work. It's a great, yeah. Yes, yeah, you know, it, it's limited with budget and so forth, but it's a really inventive and very Welsh in its themes. Like it's about storytelling and myths, national myths. Who's mm. got the right to tell your story, etc., etc. Wales all over, and you've got like well. Uh, uh, Kevin Allen did a film recently for SYC called The Circus, which was fantastic. And there's, there's one, there was one called uh, The Lighthouse, there was one called uh, The Passing, all with Welsh names that I'm too tired to pronounce. But, but um, there's more, it, it's increasing. It's right, increasing, uh, but it's not the, not the thing I would like to see. I would like to see what you talked about in the beginning. It's cliché, but we need clichés in Wales. We need stereotypes that are positive to go international. So I want to see Celtic Wales. Yeah. I want I want something for the Yanks to lap up. What's funny is that Tolkien always, you know, consider our box office and a massive, a worldwide hit Lord of the Rings was, you know, as, you know as, as a book and also as a film. And then Tolkien's always talking about the, like, the Welshness of it, isn't he? About like, you know, like Elfish or whatever was based on the Welsh language. Sin that that. Idea, yeah. you think an alternative history where Tolkien just, instead of just basing it on Wales, just goes, actually, I'll just call it Wales. Yeah. You know, instead of calling Hobbits, I'll just call them Welsh people. But, but you know what I mean? It would have been nation defining to have uh, a well, popular King, genre of. The biggest one is King Arthur. Yeah. Like, where is he? Where's, there's only one. Really, Scott did. Did he do King Arthur a few years back? Uh, it wasn't King. Antoine Fakwan did it, I think. Pardon the pronunciation. But Clive. Um, Johan Griffith is in that. And he's, he's, he's the go to Welsh actor, isn't he? He plays um, Lancelot in it. And he's not not Arthur, but he's fantastic in it. The movie's mm-hmm. ropey, but Johan Griffiths in it and he's really good. But um, there's there's no Arthurian film with any link linguistically or story wise to Wales, which is a, just bizarre. Do you think there'll be if there was one? I find it hard to imagine an exclusively Welsh focus, given the given the way it's marketed. I think it would be some sort of fudged pan Celtic sort of like. You know, well, well, what we need is to target the right people, yeah. and those people are going to be probably in the United States, yeah. because 
they would lap this up. Well, there's no shortage of stories, as you said. You can, you can map an argue on King Arthur. We've got them um, coming out of our bums. Yeah. Stories that would transmit massively to that market. But, yeah. Hmm. But, I mean, I always used to get really upset because um, I remember watching Braveheart. And I remember, and it's a class film. It's brilliant, isn't it? And it's so, it's like ultra violent. But I remember watching Braveheart when I was younger and I just sort of become politicised, getting, you know, from think, Braveheart. Started thinking <laughs> that was what did it for me. But no, it was like lightning rod. But, but, yeah. but um, and I was at, you know, and I watched Michael Collins around the same time, and I remember actually being acutely jealous and also ashamed because in Braveheart, you know, when like they're fighting and then that Irish character comes up and he's like the Irish and Scots are fighting together, and then Longshanks is like, I have Welsh archers coming up to suppress the Scots, and I was like, no, <laughs> like what? Right. Going over, dubbing it over, like, going like... <laughs> so the first thing I've got to say is, during our conversation, I will have to refer to my YouTube channel, because I've loaded this up. Do it. So yeah, I'm, sure. So if you, this is my most popular video. It's got 220,000 views. Blah. And it's like, it's basically the Welsh moments in Braveheart. Yeah. But it's also, I read a book called From Hollywood to Hollywood. Yeah. Which is a, by a lady called Lynn Anderson, who wrote about the cultural and political impact of Braveheart. So that's where I got... Now, what happened with that scene was, when the Irish and the Scots join up mm. as mates on set Gibson had the Irish Territorial Army on set the script had the Irish fighting with the English and the Welsh against the Scots mm. that's what the script the filming script was doing the Irish experts on set grouped together and said we're not doing that we're not going on film fighting with the English against the Celts Gibson fair play to him human flexible filmmaker changed it up deferred to him deferred to him and that's a huge moment of the film. Yeah. Which is a feel-good for the Scots and the Irish. A bit of a choker for us. Typical yeah. Yeah. lose out, as always. But England's little butty, isn't it? England's little butty. Useful little helper, like. But, um, you know, and that's what the Irish, on the ground, they change things by saying, we're not having that. And, like, I think that's really interesting. And that's a huge moment of the feel-good part of the film. Oh, yeah. That gets people into it. Was it, I mean... I'm sure it was one of those battle scenes and you, it's one of the famous Hollywood bloopers and a guy, one of the guys wearing jeans, is that one? <laughs> <laughs> it just seems blue in the background. <laughs> in another Mel Gibson film, uh, Apocalypto, awesome. somebody uh, slipped in Where's Wally? So like in like... Really? Apparently, yeah. I've, yeah. I'll tell you what, mate, you need that in that film. That is hard going. Like, yeah, just... but it's like a pile of bodies or something and there's just someone dressed as Where's Wally? So Apocalypto, right, that is a classic example of how I would treat a Welsh historical movie. Then. It's not epic though, it's not set, it's not a big sprawling, portentous portrayal of someone's life story. It's set over like two days, it's 90 minutes long, loads of action, loads of violence, all in Mayan. Who who can understand Mayan? Like but, the yeah. characters are all staple archetypes, so you can access them. You've got the sage old man, the young coming of age hero, the evil villain. So you don't have to understand what they're saying. And it's just a visual linear story. And it's Awesome, I love it. It's one of my favourite ever movies. The problem you'll have, and inevitably, is you know, and the controversy around Braveheart is people say, well, that's, that, it's historically inaccurate, it's it's like cliched and it's wrong, blah blah, it's, and it's led to like it's nationalistic. Um, but, obviously, we'll have those protests, but it's all you always do when there's anything that's remotely <laughs> tries to promote Welsh culture. Sure. And what it comes down to is like, you know, is it making a film specifically? To mark, you know, to market Wales, or you know, is, like is it, uses a stepping stone. So, like, oh, now we've got this on like the kind of international. But I mean, people know. will like, for example, I mean, let's, you know, obviously I work in education. That like 
it might sound ridiculous to people listening, but like when there was a debate about <laughs> introducing like Welsh history and things like that to the curriculum, you have Welsh scholars arguing that that is like impossibly nationalistic and insular, and then like you know, <laughs> Wales has to be located within like the British Isles, and it has to be like you know this happened, and so it's almost if you started making a fund in that film, you'd have to, you know, you'd get all the usual protests and things sure. like that. This is where it has to be aimed at the people who are motivated to do it. Who would you, who would be your ideal director? For, for a Welsh history movie? Yeah. Good one. Um, I'd probably give it to Mark Evans as a man motivated to do it, but I mean, I'd, I'd love Mel Gibson to do it. He's represented languages. Um, his latest movie's violent and epic and really accessible and sympathetic. I've still, still not seen Axel Ridge. Actually, it's, it's great. Like, you know, it's a bit brave hearty, but it's, it's the same old thing again. Puts, Andrew Garfield is a man who cannot age. He's good. He? He's good. He's good. In his 30s. That kills me, man. Ke- Keanu Reeves is like 50 52. And he's yeah. not aged. It's harsh, isn't it? Yeah. At all. But it's a good question. Who would, I mean, in terms of director, I don't know, the most important thing Michael would be Bay, this, I the script. I'd be happy for it to be Bay. Yeah. Honestly, like, I really it would. Loads of explosions. The important thing is the producer and the script writer. So what can happen is, like, the Gareth Thomas situation, where, like, I actually sent Gareth Thomas a tweet before, because I've been studying these representations, I knew this was going to happen. So you've got the Gareth Thomas film recently, Nicky Rourke was going to produce it and write it, and it was called The Welshman, about a gay rugby player who came out, but you're looking at marking it films of the USA, and you've got homosexual rugby Welsh. That'll be the best. That'll be our new, yeah, <laughs> our new slogan brand. Yeah, yeah. that'd be interesting. Like going to America. Yeah. Um, and then of course, as you said, it was like you know Mickey Rourke himself is obviously big on this Irish American heritage and things like that. Um, so you need the structures in place, don't you? you? Need like sympathetic people in the right places and things to make it, and you need to somehow make sure that it's not seen as like, you know, um, glorified advertising. In, in, in the wake of Braveheart, that would be a difficult thing. And like my yeah. idea would be to make, give it some sort of angle where it's got a little bit of comedy or something, which isn't an epic sporting yeah. advert for, you know, but there should be loads of them, not just one. I mean, get, we should also get these things it. made here. We should get these things made here and written here. I mean, like us in Scotland, practically the only countries that have to apologize for this stuff. That's true, um, but it's because because it's implicit, though, isn't it? For I mean, people will always it goes back to this idea of banal nationalism. Like, um, so English people moan about Braveheart. That's a really nationalistic film. But they don't moan that everyone <laughs> in the film speak in English, right? Yeah, but, but they also don't moan that you know every other they also don't moan that every other film about Britain you know is implicitly British. Like you know, like Ad, what not Adam Curtis, uh, Richard Curtis films yeah. are especially Love Actually. You know, that's as as nationalistic films you could possibly get you know it's a feel good movie well, about, about see, new um, labour or how about James Bond saying in the latest movie when they ask him to name his country England yeah so the people you know but, but that's the thing people because it's so it saturates everything it comes back to this banal nationalism again people don't notice that which is so which is taken for granted because it's because it's everywhere so when you see one film which is about Wales or one film which is about Scotland it's like oh hang about the Scots always banging on about being Scottish aren't they oh, yeah. and the reason you notice it is because it's the one film <laughs> yeah. you know it doesn't you know every other film is American or, or British but yeah okay so we'll talk about marketing a bit I mean I always get a bit annoyed like I mean I've still not seen Headwind and obviously you've kindly offered to Give me the got it in my bag. Got it in my bag. You can't see, but Nick's got a massive sort of. He's got a huge leather jacket, and he opens it up, and inside. That's not underneath. But he opens up, and he's got loads of like DVDs and pen drives and things like that. That he sells. Piercings with pen drives on them. Yeah. 
<laughs> hanging off. Like. But how can it be that I think it was you got two Welsh language films, for example. So, I think it was, is it Solomon Solomon Agena? Yeah. And Hedwin. I believe both were nominated for. Was it maybe Solomon Agena were nominated for? But you know, <laughs> it's, you, you, it's a complicated process that. But they're, um, but they're but, nominated yeah. for best foreign language films at the Oscars. At least yeah. one of those two. Um, these are films which aren't well known in Wales at all. I mean, like, Heather is about World War One. You know, it's about you know the amazing story, and Solomon Agena is about it's yeah, Romeo and Juliet. Yes, yeah, Romeo and Juliet, but it has a postmodern twist. And it's about you know Judaism in in sort of twenty early twentieth century Wales. These are all themes that need to be explored, like you know the you know pacifism, the horrors of war, you know uh, multiculturalism, and the you know the relationship between you know the sort of Welsh and and in this case like young Griffiths Jewish character but, you know these are things we, we need to talk about in Wales they're nowhere why because they're Welsh language so it's like they're almost they're just you know they, they may as well not exist so why why is it that everyone you know everyone in Wales goes up you know the one film we've seen about Anglo-Welshness is Twin Town it? so that's the one thing that everyone talks about in my circle anyway but I just it just it just bugs me that these films aren't what you know do you know, I was thinking the other day um, about a submarine that's set in Wales, isn't it? It's that is it. to my mind. Oh, the Richard Ayoade. Yeah, um, yeah, Craig Rhodes. I'm not a huge fan of it. Like, um, I didn't know when it was set. Because it's Swansea. No, when? It's a very good question, actually, because it, it, it would almost feel like an 80s film at mm. times. Um, but I'm not a huge fan of it. But, you know, there's room, there's huge room for that sort of movie. Um, yeah, the, the, more, the more contemporary representations of Wales you can get in cinema the better I mean yeah. um, Craig Roberts actually went on to direct his own film set in Wales yep yeah. just, just Jim yeah have you seen it? a bit weird is it, is it good though? It's, it's a great effort I mean yeah that's what I thought talented geezer 23 yeah that's what I thought uh, hugely yeah. huge potential for that as yeah um, what's it facing isn't it um, the big Amer- uh, the guy that's in Into the Wild yeah, uh, he was great. Isn't it? Uh, I wonder where he stayed. Probably stayed in the best west. Oh uh, yeah, Emil Hirsch. Emil Hirsch, yeah. <laughs> but you know, but I mean, there's a tension, isn't there, between getting these like you know, if you have if you develop a national film culture, then is there a tension necessary between having these like you know, big sort of cliche representations of Wales and Welshers, and then having the actual you know actually that's not really what we're like you know picking out the experiences of. You know, black minority ethnic people in Wales. You know, you know, of women, of people like me, or who don't. Sure, sh- film me that. Who, no, but who don't? No, but people. You know, people from you know Monmouthshire, from North Wales. People who don't sound like or look like you know. It's, you know, it's not like this. How green is my valleys or yeah, Twin yeah. Town? We don't all speak like that, actually. Yeah. Because there's an issue, isn't there? You know, we know that people in Wales, especially ethnic minorities in Wales, don't feel particularly Welsh. Certainly compared to ethnic minorities, for example, in Scotland. And I personally think that one of the reasons they don't feel Welsh is because Stuart Hall, the senior cultural theorist, says you have to be able to see yourself reflected in the mirror of the nation to feel like you belong. And if you, if there's no representations of like, you know, Welsh people of colour, or like in in cinema, and that's not intentional, it's just because there aren't many Welsh films. How are you ever going to feel like you belong? Because you're going to say, well, you know, you watch, you'll watch Twin Town. And you're like, well, that doesn't say anything about my... You know, that's got nothing to do with my experience. That, sure. That's not what I... Well, I mean, I often wonder how people in the North think about Twin Town. Yeah, exactly. I can't see that commenting on anything to do with their Welshness at all. Yeah. Like, someone from a or whatever. Like, you know, I just... 
I'm interested to find out. But there's actually been there was a, there's a really good bit of work by a guy called David Evans, who's now BBC Wales correspondent, and it was his PhD thesis, and it's about looking at people in northeast Wales on the border. You know, people who sound like Scousers. Oh. You know, a lot of them speak Welsh, but they were asked about like how you know what Welsh identity mean to you. Just like my own PhD was based in Porthcawl, where people are traditionally seen as not very Welsh. And the problem they have is that they say, oh, well, people think that we either have to speak Welsh or we're all like, you know, buddy boy, you know, minors. And obviously they're like, that's not what we are. We're, we're something completely different, which isn't represented in Welsh literature, really isn't, well, rep- certainly isn't represented on screen. And it's the same as people in, you know, I mean, human traffic about Cardiff, isn't it? That's interesting. What do you think about that one? It's, it, I watched it a couple of times recently to review it and like, like, I saw it in a cinema in 99 I didn't like it at all but on reflection it's a, it's a really well made quite a bold film like you know it's, and there's there's room for all of this stuff there's room for a movie set in Cardiff that's got no Welshness in it at all there's room for a movie set in Porth Maddock that's got no Welsh element to it at all this is what countries do but they also do the other side especially like countries with our rich visual what's the word romantic history of a Celtic probably the last bastion of Celtic culture on earth if you look at it in terms of the language sure and like there's room for all of this stuff and you need both as you said so that one doesn't stick out and so that the ones that we could make doesn't stick out like that I'm not sure if you know the, the politician who's in a bit of trouble this week McAvoy yeah Neil McAvoy like he stood up in the Senate recently and said why aren't we sending? He likes having a go at the government, doesn't he? He likes having a go at Welsh Labour, I think. So I think he just said something like, why aren't we sending um, envoys to, to get Hollywood scriptwriters here? They would lap us up. Um, and it's just... But we're not viable yet, because like I was engaged to a woman from Oregon, you know, who was called Megan, never heard of Wales till she met me. And she'd spent a year in London. Yeah. Is it Megan a Welsh name as well? It's Megan and Irish. Yeah. It's, it's oh, Welsh and Irish. Yeah. Yeah. But it means little pearl, literally, in Welsh. Hmm. But, um, so there's room for all of it. And, but it would be hugely successful if it could be sold and made well. But there's room for human traffic. There's room for, you know, Glendua. There's room for submarine. There's room for, you know, your smackheads in, in wherever. I'm sorted out. This is all what Desolation Radio is all about. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, um, there's, as you said, there's, there's almost like a chicken and egg scenario. You get, let's say you've got, get a Hollywood star to come to Wales, like, oh, celebrate Wales is different. The guy gets off the train station at Cardiff where there's absolutely nothing Welsh about the city. Yeah. So he's like, you know, what's the point? I should just say, I've got loads of great ideas for scripts and things, but I, and for, even though we would add to the show, I, I'm not going to, Put them out because people will steal them and scare sure. people steal them. I had a really good idea for a TV don't, show. But don't tell anyone. Oh, I want to tell anyone because oh, I want okay, to see right. remade and not do anything. It's just a cross what, between like. What about the, the whole point of doing something? We can is ex- to get the credit and fame for it. Why we can we exclude the audience and just talk about it later and then do a little kind of teaser. Like yeah, like come in like, next year. Look at the end maybe. of Marvel. Go on, go on, actually. Go, you, you te- oh, it's just a bit of like a stupid tangent. No, what's it? What is it? It's like a cross between like a high school drama and this like kind of really existential nihilist horror where kids kids are grown up like and the faculty uh, maybe I've seen it but like kids grown up and trying to figure out who they are and their place in the world only to realise it means nothing sounds not quite uh, uplifting so yeah, yeah the staple of Welsh language in horror movies is that it's spoken by devil worshippers or some sort of horrific really? cult yeah most, most if there's Welsh seen the Evil Dead remake no the Evil oh, Dead remake yeah. has got a random moment the, the Book of the Dead and then <laughs> 
in the Evil the Dead Necromon- movie. No, no, is no, in no. Welsh, like. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah, that's that's, that's taken from a HP Lovecraft book, isn't it? The name Necro Necronomicon. I think is that right? right? Yeah, yeah. I'm not a horror man, so I only bought it on DVD. I haven't even seen the original. Like, have you seen the original? The, so the so first, the first one. I'm trying to get into horror, just like I said. Like, really. Evil Dead original is, is hilarious, and it's, it's can't be black. No, no, the first one was a serious film. Oh, right. Wrote by <laughs> Sam Raimi with um, Bruce Campbell. No, the second one was a remake of the first one. It was a comedy. But I thought the first one with Sam Raimi wasn't. That's serious. It was serious, yeah. It was more serious than the second one, which is really slap, slapsticky. And but then it, the third one, Army of Darkness, just carried yeah. on that. But it's like America Werewolf in Paris or, or America Werewolf in London or whatever. It's not, it's like, I was like, I don't want to watch it because I can't watch horrors. But it was like, oh, it's actually pretty funny. Uh, if you want a really good horror, the Babadook is amazing. And there's the, uh, what's the one about, um, what's the, the recent gym? The Witch is going to be. Yeah, The Witch yeah, is yeah, great. Yeah, I've yeah, got yeah, 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 a. To be honest, I need to be with a woman to watch these things because I need to have human contact to reassure yeah. me. I made to sign into being touched on the knee. <laughs> I um, I read the Wikipedia plot. I plot on Wikipedia before I watch it so I don't get any anything, which defeats the purpose of spoilers. Kind but, of. You know, you want to watch The Dark? The Dark in the top 10 Welsh movies list. The Dark's got Sean Bean, Maria Bello. Um, it's got Welsh language scenes in it. It's talking about Anu, which is a. Kind of an Arthurian, I think. Uh, the legend, the Welsh legend of Anun, the underworld. It's got proper Welsh mythology in it. Right. Unfortunately, most of the references kind of happen in a cultish, satanic context. Yeah. But it's a good movie. It's unfor- unfortunate. Unfortunate and common, but it, I mean, I, as a non horror fan, I really enjoyed that. It's got Sean Bean in it, and it's, just, it's, it's actually filmed in Cornwall, but that's a good one. I got it on DVD. But yeah, it's called The Dark, and it's 2005. Very watchable. That's quite recent, then, isn't it? Recently, there was some thriller uh, called Bridgend, set in Bridgend, about the spate of suicides that happened. I don't think that but was. But it was all like filmed in Ogmore and stuff. Oh, so, right. or oh, it looked like it was something like Bridgend Town Centre. There's also a Canadian horror film called uh, Canadian Pontypool, isn't Pontypool yeah. Yeah. which I just watched last week. Is that anything to do with Wales? It's just Pontypool. No, there's a town in Canada called Pontypool. Oh, right. That's annoying. Isn't I think it? it's the phonetic thing about the word Pontypool is something which triggers the. I had two cans that I watched. Triggers Canadians. Exactly. <laughs> it, wakes, it wakes their Celtic fiery temperament. I quite like, um, you know, so we spoke about this. There's like this Onion article whereby the Visit Denmark, those sort of Danish tourist board adverts are directed by Lars von Trier and it's just a woman <laughs> running through a wood and get, then gets murdered and then it just sort of says Visit Denmark. But why not? You know, they've done the new Luke Evans one, like, was it the new Welsh, you know, Visit Wales drive? But wouldn't it be great to do, to like, have a satanic little girl just like speaking in Welsh at the camera and it's just like uh, and it comes in she goes and it just says is it Wales maybe that'd be effective that'd be viral very effective you you spoke earlier about marketing and you told us uh, an interesting anecdote about the year (laughs) no but about the year that Braveheart was made why don't you tell us that and what it mean because I think that is maybe representative of Oh, this is the Some big of the problems facing Wales. When I first realised this, I thought, "Cracky, that is so symbolic." So the situation is that in 1995, um, you could say Scotland or Hollywood, or in collaboration with Scotland, Hollywood and Mel Gibson made the film Braveheart. This was r- roughly six months before Michael Collins was mm. also made by, I believe, Warner Brothers. Mm. And in the same year, our contribution to the Celtic representation on film was the Englishman who went up a hill but came down a mountain. So while Ireland and Scotland represented their national revolutionaries in rousing, dramatic, Hollywood-funded movies, um, Miramax, who was 
the production company, which is a f- effectively a Hollywood company, you could say, funded Christopher Munger's film about this mountain and this tale of post World War One comradeship between you know. It's a, I enjoy it. It's a nice film um, with English actors and Irish actors and no Welsh people in it. And of course, the marketing is. Of course, the, the initial premise of the film, why can't Wales make a film in the same year about Glyndwr, Llewellyn, Gwentlian, King Arthur, whatever. You don't chat, you don't chart this. You don't chart this. Contemporary, yeah. Ken Loach never made a film in Wales. Honestly, why not? Like, how can Ken Loach ignore Wales? It's incredible, but yeah, there you go. Bleak. Too busy fetishising the Labour Party, isn't well, it? Of course. But um, the marketing, for example, now, if you're talking or writing about that film, you'll get bored of saying the name after two times. The Englishman who went up a hill became another mountain. How do you expect anyone to like write about that movie or talk about it? Yeah, you're, like, you're just going to be like bored about it. After. I don't want to say it again already. I've said it twice. Yeah, and I don't <laughs> want to say it again. And there's a like I've come across a big problem in the 1990s Welsh movies. Maybe in lieu in the wake of Twin Town, where the marketing of them is bizarre. So we've got there's a few movies that have been set in Wales that you will have never have heard of and certainly not seen, such as. Very Annie Mary. Mm. I've seen it. I have seen it. Um, that one at least kept its name, although what does that mean? Very Annie Mary. Like It has no sense, that title. Also, the film is completely unfocused in its story. No one knows who the main character is, blah, blah, blah. You've got a film called The Baker. So The Baker's with Damien Lewis, set really? in Wales. Works in Greg. It's got a... <laughs> he works in his own bakery. It's got a Welsh language scene in it. In America, it's called Assassin in Love. Is he an assassin? Yeah. He's a baker. It's, have you ever seen oh, The Matador or Gross Point Blank? Yeah, love Gross Point Blank. Well, it's, it's that. So it's, it's a story that's been done already. I love Gross Point Blank. I love bread. Yeah, I love bread. Gonna take back home for my bread. <laughs> Talking about cliches. Sound. Um, there's also a film called, which you won't believe this, called, okay, in Britain it's called Plots with a View. Mm. In the United States, it was called Undertaking Betty. This has got. I heard of Undertaking <laughs> Betty. But the disparity of it is. So what's that? Like Christopher Walken in, isn't it? Christopher Walken in it. It was never released in the UK it, cinemas. His watch. His ass. I am from Wales. Well, please. He knew he could have it. His ass. His ass. Yeah. He had a coffin in his ass. Damn. Dysentery. But like, okay. So what does this mean? Plots with a view. What? What does it mean? It's, you're looking at um, you know, places to... Plot bear- as in plot to kill someone. Plot as in No, it's plot is plots. when you bury yeah. It's about an undertaker, so it's an undertaking plot. The American name is called The Undert- Undertaking Betty. Now, why didn't you like create a movie which hasn't got to have its title changed in the <laughs> USA? <laughs> I love that. If it, if I, it'd be amazing to find out all the different American names for, for all films and just what that would say about the American psyche. <laughs> but it's just like this marketing of... Now these films, there's, there's more I could, I could point you towards, but they got good elements to them, but they're just completely messy, and they don't know what their story is. They don't know what their genre is either. So you've got there's this need to be kind of quirky, yeah, and like Welsh quirky, like trying to be Irish or something. And there's so many of these films that just you know you wouldn't believe like how messy they are, but how much potential they've got. And they're normally set in fictional Welsh villages yeah or fictional villages fictional yeah. South Wales villages so in Undertaking Betty it's called Rotting Powys <laughs> um, in Annie Mary it's called Blogu or Ogu or something 
and there's just there's lots of these fictional Welsh villages in, in these movies and um, the marketing of them is unfocused and just completely messy yeah and there's no genre there's no clear genre like the this is the problem there's very few genre films set in Wales yeah which is why I enjoyed that film, The Library Suicide, so much. It knows exactly what it's trying to do. Yeah. And it's not trying to be funny and quirky and yeah. show that we're all blah, blah, blah. And there's room for everything, but, like, the marketing is a big problem. So, you know, if you're going to write a film about Wales in the same year that Braveheart and Michael Collins come out, I don't know, I wouldn't put England in the title for a start. <laughs> uh, maybe give it, like, a three-word title or something that people yeah. know what it is when you see it. Watch. Like, yeah. Go and watch this Please. That's really interesting you said about you know this idea maybe to build yourself as like this sort of sub Irish you know like you know this quirky sort of identity like in these films almost like the idea of creating a you know because you know we're not we're not funny <laughs> no. we're not jocular I don't think so I'm not anyway no I'm a right moody guy serious so yeah. like, you know it's you know, so where we could get this nihilism angle yeah. I mean, but yeah, so going back to this national film culture, as you said, it, it, you know, the films themselves are all over the place in, in their sort of representation of Wales, other, other than you know, the one constant is this small village in the valleys with a fake name. Um, and everyone's kind of backward. <laughs> yeah, but like, um, you, we did have, I mean, I know that a lot of films are made in Wales uh, in terms of the landscape, aren't they? And there's like Hollywood mm. studios, and I know that a few films a lot of films have used like the Welsh landscape aren't they? And, but it's the same with the media the Welsh government or whoever is in charge of the purse strings fundamentally misunderstand in my view anyway the role as you said the power of movies the power of television to shape national identity so for example in the latest you know in we're talking about like Welsh representation things like that people go on about torture Doctor Who things like that okay they aren't about Wales they're just filmed in Wales um, and it's the same about but they, the Welsh government view everything in terms of jobs that's what all they view everything and so it's like the Welsh film industry it wouldn't be about you know how we can market Wales or you know Wales is a long term thing they don't think that the more Wales is known the more people come to it the more investment you have they just go right well we could have like a big studio and loads of people could just film in Wales yeah well, um, I've heard um, I've heard like there's a documentary on BBC, BBC Wales a few years ago called Wales and Hollywood and Michael Sheen was on there and Sheen was saying that I want to see more, and he, it was openly. I was so relieved to hear somebody say this. I want to see more films about Wales. Yeah, not just in Wales. Not so. just in Wales, or not filmed in or set in, because he was in a good movie called Resistance, which is a bit somber, but it's a quality product. But you'd never know it was set in Wales. Mm. You'd never know. There's no overt reference. But it's interesting what you said about the Welsh government. I mean, a classic example I'll give you is in the kind of the, the, the way they seem to view things. Um, just recently, you probably heard about this, um, Sony wanted to film a scene of the latest Bond movie, Spectre, mm. in the Senate, right? Yeah. Now, there's been 24 Bond movies, the, the only long-standing British film franchise, before Potter. Yeah. Wales is not referenced in any Bond film in any way. So England is in most of them. Bond. Uh, Scotland is in a few of them. Yeah. And... Um, even in Skyfall, Northern Ireland was referenced, right? So there's only one country which is yet to be referenced in any way in a Bond film, and guess who that is? So, Sony, the word, by the way, the words United Kingdom have never been spoken in a Bond movie. Really? Interesting. So, um, for England, James. For England. So, Sony approached the Senate and they said, We want to film a critical scene of the latest Bond film, which was terrible, by the way. 
Um, awful. Yeah, it was boring. They're all tech, but P- P- you know, I, I think the last, well, I think that all the Daniel Craig ones are just sub Jason Bourne. Yeah. They're terrible. Bourne, Bond is born again. So they wanted to film this scene in the Senate, right? And now that's the major international conglomerate film studio coming to you and saying, we want to use your Welsh government building. The Welsh government didn't say, hmm, well, you want something from us. What can you give us back? Yeah. They just said no. <laughs> Straight up. Um, and, what, and what they said nah. was, it's not a drama studio. Now, they've got a film series set in there called The, the Bay, is it? And that's <laughs> yeah. So do you want to know what I would have said? Come on, ask me. What, what would you have said? said? Thanks, guys. Thanks for asking. No I would have said. Unprompted. Yeah. I would have said, right. Okay, so you want something from us. What can you give us? Welsh well, independence. Yeah, yeah, make it worth my while, huh? <laughs> yeah, Italian gestures going on. Either your names or your brain's going to be on the contract, Sony. So I would have said, right, okay, well, how about put a scene in Wales? Yeah. Because billions of people are going to see this film, potentially. And in the future, they will. So, or how about, for example, Q? So Connery was, Bond was only made Scottish, right, in the books after Connery was a big success in the role. Ah, so Ian Fleming, Ian Fleming's third book, Horrible Man, his third book, he changed Bond to a Scots Swiss because of Connery's success. Mm. Stanley Baker was supposed to be Bond originally. Never heard it. Exactly. Seriously? Never heard it. Wow. So Stanley, <laughs> so Stanley Baker was supposed to be Bond, but he turned it down because he didn't want to be tied to a franchise. Big mistake. But, um, so, but all Q was paid for 30 years by Desmond Llewellyn, yeah. mm. Welsh actor. So I would have said, so, okay, you want to use our building? If I had any mouse or any imagination as a Welsh government representative, I'd be saying, okay, put a scene in Wales and categorise that scene, represent Wales, because in 25 Bond films, our country's never been in it and we're part of the United Kingdom, right? Can Bond ask for... Queer of a whole time <laughs> <is> in Wales. <laughs> this is your Collier's cheese, Bond. Like a martini shaking off his head. That's some brave as well. And some Collier's cheese. <laughs> Oh, so Bond goes to Q's house, right, and he says, "Oh, this is this is on the border, isn't it, Q?" And Q goes, "Yes, I'm Welsh." And Bond goes, "You're Welsh, Q." And then Q goes, "Oh, it's not a crime, 007. You know, just that'll do. Good. Yeah, that'll Good. do. Uh, Q, please tell me more about your nation. Yeah. <laughs> what about Gendur? Like, yeah, very English. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like a half an hour. And just just really have crowbar in, or you know, or Bond is in a speedboat and it has like visit Wales and something. <laughs> Fantastic, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. He, he shoves a leak down the throat of the guy he's just murdered oh he's got like some yeah. Dione yogurt that can only be activated by him yeah. Dione yogurt no Dione's not yogurt it's um Dione's milk chocolate milk oh he does a Steven Seagal he creates a bomb with a microwave and the bomb goes poppy pin that, yeah. is, that is and the siege one of the got to be the greatest film of all time Classic. makes a bomb out of a potato or whatever it is like, <laughs> goddamn Navy Seal that actor, the actor in that goddamn Seal the actor in that movie right called Media I bumped into him in Cardiff about six months ago and I had a little chat with him so I approached him and, he, and at the end of the chat he said right, uh, can you recommend anywhere good to eat and I couldn't think of anywhere to eat but I knew a one liner from Under Siege so I just said yeah go to Giovanni's fucking cooks a seal <laughs> <laughs> And he didn't get it. Oh, get oh, spewing. My mate, you know, my mate in school used to do this. Mate, like used to do this really weird, like and funny Steven Seagal and the siege impressions. He just started going around like with a knife. Like he wouldn't hold the knife, but that was his like Steven Seagal and the siege. And also, cook. yeah, he's a goddamn seal. But goddamn seal. But back onto the the more serious point of the Bond films. Mexico sure. paid 
Sony to represent Mexico City in a positive light. They paid them money. In um, Sicario. <laughs> yeah. I ain't seen it. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. That's awesome. on Netflix. That's awesome immense, man. That's really? by uh, Dennis, Denise Villeneuve, who's doing the new Blade Runner. Aye. Did you see Arrival? I did. I really liked it. I mean, it was a gorgeous movie and really interesting as well, without wishing to sound too serious. It was mm. all about like, language, you know, acquisition. And Why wasn't that something else? I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't watch it, I really wanted to. Matthew Modine, you said Sammy Baker turned it down. Matthew Modine turned down uh, Top Gun, didn't he? Because he said it was he want, it was too political, like. And then, but then he did. What's the one about the Full Metal Jacket? No, he was after Full Metal Jacket, I think. Uh, but then he did, then then he did the the one about the Memphis Bell or something like that. <laughs> but you know, he's great in it. All right, so you've you've compiled like this bank of films. What are the rap? How is Wales represented? I mean, the, one of the. So you said about the you know, very animary things like that, and they're all over the place and the quirkiness. One of the th- representations that people talk about a lot is Reese Evans's character in Notting Hill, right? Notting Hill, yeah. Um, you know, and and that's one of the weird ones because in a way it's you know it's good comic relief in the movie and things like that, but it it, it does also play onto this sort of you know a lot of a lot many other movie many other countries have positive stereotypes which they draw on like the Irish have this like idea that you know they're funny, they're great laughing like that. And well so let's face it, the representation of Wales in television and you know, when we are on film and still is basically that we're more on Simpleton. Um, yeah. And it's a bit it's bad because, you know, three of us you know, we are as well. <laughs> we are, but like um, <laughs> but most Welsh people aren't. Um, no, Nick's not, but Nathan I am. We are, yeah. Aren't, but you know this is just um, all part of it. Yeah. I'm thick as <laughs> But it but in you said you you sort of did compile representations of Wales as a, in, mm. in film as mm. well as Welsh films themselves. What did you find when you were looking at the representations of Wales or Welsh people in film, like in non-Welsh films? In non-Welsh films, I mean, there's a few references to us, but they they're just not they're not standout yeah, the representations. Okay. Aren't, there's nothing to categorise it as being another country. Mm. Really, there's a few. There's a few references. There's a few, but there's nothing visual. Mm. There's nothing at all visual. But also, I mean. When we are in there, it's normally negative. There was a film recently with talking of Arrival with Amy Adams. Um, she plays. It's called Leap Year. She plays a woman who uh, travels to Ireland from the United States. To Matthew Goods in it. Isn't Matthew Goods in it. That's so bad. But it's great. They get they, right. She, the plane has to has to land in Wales because the weather's too bad to cross the island. There's like three minutes in Wales. They get there. Everyone's horrible to them. It's raining and they're getting to be there. And then they leave and go to Ireland and fall in love in Ireland. And it's, it's just not, like it's not I don't think Matthew Good even saw that film. He's like, I'm watching it. It's not that inaccurate though, to be fair. Like. No, to be honest, it's not. But it's not about telling the truth, right? It's yeah. about like as you said, it feeds into it. So yeah, of course. you get that image of again, um, like yeah, World, it, World War Z, for example. Mm. Right? Now this is a pedantic point. World War Z is set globally. It's set across the whole world, and in every single country it's in, it's got text on the screen yeah. saying. City, yeah. country. Rome, Italy. City, country. It gets to Wales, and it's just got World Research Organization. <laughs> with, the, with the only location, right, in yeah, the whole wait. movie, which doesn't have the country uh, name written in text. Peter Capaldi, isn't he, in, a, in <laughs> his forest research? But he then got Brad Pitt walking through Blanafoistiniog. Like, yeah, just, after like his crash is a plane on purpose. <laughs> he just he blows up a plane with a grenade, because this is oh, zombie. Right? No spoilers, not yet. Oh, no, sorry. That's a bit ropey. But yeah. apparently the book was was also the ending was set in Wales, but Conby Castle, so a totally different ending. There's a book of the book of it. Yeah, 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 yeah that's where it came from. But the representations on your Max question are vague. Representations are vague, and they're not positive. 
and um, the, the horror is a big one. Like there's there's horror films set in Wales that kind of in the in the thirties and forties. Like this book I got here will tell you a lot about that. One of the Hammer horrors, uh, the Wolfman, was set in Port Talbot, but it's not referenced. No, it says I go. He's, he lives in Port Talbot, and it's just this really made up city and full of American people. The Wolfman back in the forties. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. It's, there's no reference to Wales or any city in the film. It does reference Port Talbot though. And sure? like, yeah, and he's like the. the I must have missed Port Talbot. I must have missed that bit. I watched well, that. We'll, we'll tweet later who's right. Like we'll check. Yeah. Do it. My money's on. Money's on there. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, we've got to keep it in though. though. We will keep it um, in. But it comes back to this, you know, this idea of like marketing and tourism. Like you know, we said in the Sid podcast, it it, it blows my mind sometimes how sh- the short termism of it, like um, how Wales is marked, you know, and how like for example Cardiff Council always, you know, they will will have England cricket games. Um, you know, there's the England, the Rugby World Cup in England. Cardiff Council's like, well, why can't we have? Let's have a few games in Cardiff as well. Jobs. So, so all these people jobs, are coming jobs, to jobs, jobs. all these people are coming to Cardiff, like from all over the world. Well, not all over the world because it's rugby, but you know, all over the world to watch um, <laughs> to watch. You know, to someone who doesn't really get the difference between Wales and England, and they're not from Wales or the UK, how do you then explain to them the difference between Wales and England when they're watching a game in the England Rugby World Cup? In Cardiff, you know, it, it's short termism based on job. It, it's it's simultaneously erasing the national distinctiveness, which makes people want to come to your country. And I just, it, I can't understand how they haven't got on to Wales's actors and things like that, and got them to you know start marketing Wales, or, or how haven't they started ploughing when they talk like when they start plowing money into it? Should I? Um, but when they're talking like the, the recent media discussions about representation, Torchwood and Doctor Who and things like that are just billed as these like ooh, like this is what BBC could do more of this. And then there's been this pledge to have more televised representations of Welsh life in it. Now, whether or not that will actually move away from this cliché image of Wales you said in like existing very Annie Mary and um, you know how green is my valley. I mean, can we really see it? I mean, it's. I think it has to be in balance. It's fine having that stuff as long as you've got the other stuff and the other stuff because you know England or whatever we're calling it um, this week. You know, England and Scotland have got, especially England and Britain. Yeah, they the, have an image, don't they? This is a, so they got that. They got the balance. And these representations are fine with the other stuff. The biggest issue is history. It's the biggest issue. I went through school. My dad's a historian. I went through school for five years in the secondary school, or what a high school we call it now. Um, not one minute, not one second of Welsh history was I taught. It wasn't until, shout out, I saw the dragon has two tongues. Went off. Very lucky to get a copy of that. Yeah. Which unfortunately someone lost, but I'm going to get it again. It's on YouTube. A little bit is. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. Um, but it needs, that series needs to be seen oh, yeah. by Welsh people, especially Welsh kids. Now I can tell you that that series taught me in a balanced way counterpoint arguing you've got Winford Vaughan Thomas very pro-establishment you've got Gwyneth Williams fire-breathing communist whilst, mm. whilst nationalist or whatever you want to call him the great, the great one of the greatest Welsh thinkers oh, the greatest just, Welsh man of all just, time just, just what a guy what a guy you know I've even tried to emulate his stutter and it's like that taught me so much about and gave me a feeling that I've never known was there so it's about the history and when you don't get that history you won't think of Wales as your country or a country and you won't be interested in seeing these representations and having the chats the way him having now to do because if you're intrinsically taught that your history is a British history mm. that's unless that's counterpointed 
if that's the right word, you're not going to think of Wales or care about it in that way. You'll be told to care about it in terms of rugby, yeah, or in terms of what you know, whatever. But when it comes to the real nitty gritty, you will always kind of defer to the other. And it's about the history, and my opinion is that you need to see a visualised representation of Wales as Wales, which you've got to go back. The point is, you go back to go forward now. People will tell you, oh, we're stuck in the dark ages, what have you got to look back for? No, we're the only country which needs to apologise for this stuff. We need to see the debt. Like, who, who, which Welsh kids know about the Laws in Wales Act of 1536? Which Welsh kids know about uh, Llewellyn the Last? Like, these could be big, dramatic. There's such that people don't know about Llewellyn, they don't know about uh, uh, Mark, they don't know about anything like that, they don't know about the sibling rest. Um, Direct action uh, by no. Los Angeles campaigners. Um, what you're saying basically is like the equivalent would be Michael Collins and Braveheart aren't historically perfect by any means. But they start but, a conversation. But they start that conversation. It's yeah. a stepping stone, isn't it? To, like... So, you know, as you said, like you know, Michael Collins, I think, is a great film. And so, if let's say you're an Irish person, you watch that and you go, well, actually, that's. And, and it's the power of cinema. As you said, it's, you, you spoke about how important it is the, the so visual media. The screenwriting guru called Robert McKee, who's an expert in screenwriting, says this, that the worst possible excuse to include something in a story is it actually happened. What happens is fact, not truth. Truth is what we think about what happens. No movie is historically accurate. It's impossible. And the idea of representing 800-year-old events where no photographs exist, inaccurate, is just... It's not possible. The truth is what you think about what happens. Now, Braveheart, for example, so people will say, oh, the, the Princess of Wales was young and William Wallace never wore face paint or kilts. And you say, really? Tell me why not. And this conversation starts. So you're like, okay, so what really happened then? And it, all of a sudden, you're having a conversation about Scottish history. And that's what we need to do. Nick, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, Thanks so much for coming on. Everyone check out at Movies Wales well Wales in the Movies on Twitter it's absolutely fantastic get on YouTube Wales in the Movies whenever you subscribe to that channel you motivate me to make more Welsh content and I want to make lots more I need to monetise this content <laughs> well uh, I need to just do it first you need to do it first children need wine <laughs> any shout outs shout out yes I've got a book in front of me by a man who passed away in 2010 I knew, never knew about him when he was alive his name was David Berry and he wrote this book An Englishman from Lancashire and he wrote this book, which I'm showing to you now. Look at the chunk on it. Oof. It's called Wales and Cinema, The First Hundred Years. And it's an almanac, Back to the Future 2 word. It's an almanac, an exhaustive book about the history of Wales on film. And it will tell you about films that you've never, ever heard of, including a film called The Last King of Wales, which was only rediscovered in 2007 in a silent movie oh, about way. Llewellyn the Last. No way. So David Barry, a hero of mine, thank you very much. And he's my shout-out. Go and check him out. Very good. Bigly involved with Chapter in Cardiff, and they live in down there too. Uh, Give a shout out to Nintendo Switch and New Zelda, which was really good. Nice. Um, also, to I started watching, I got halfway through the film Jerry Maguire, and the editing is just so rapid, I couldn't make sense of it, and it just made me feel sick. I like a shout out to Jerry Maguire like as well. Nice. The film I was talking about, but I couldn't um, remember the name of the Kiwi film, was Hunt, Hunt for the World of People, I think. That's yeah. The, the, the Did you watch what we do in the shadows yet? No, not yet. It's good. Sounds scary. Oh, shout out to Blade Runner as well, which is my favourite film. Um, let's find out about this Wolfman thing too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we'll, there's some some sort of forfeit for whoever's wrong. Um, I was going to give a shout out to Graham, and it's a it's a it's a movie theme. So 
you know, Graham loves like uh, Apple, like all the Fast and Furious franchise and all the the Uber of um, Jared Butler and things like that. Um, Jared Butler. But we, <laughs> so he was watching. Um, he's finally got around to watching Band of Brothers, and like given his sort of consumption of film, you know, it's a film about you. Know, if you haven't seen Band of Brothers, and me, it's about you. Know, 101st Airborne in, in D-Day in World War Two. <laughs> he was clearly wasn't impressed by the amount of action in it. It's like, <laughs> and the action was a bit like a bit tame. You know, he's just used to like massive explosion, massive explosion. So I really enjoyed watching how underwhelmed he was by Band- <laughs> by the action in Band- in, a, in a World War Two film. Um, so shout out to Graham, shout out to Gwyneth Williams, shout out to my family, shout out to Joe. Um, and so guys, keep following us on Twitter, keep bumping us. We are growing exponentially. Yeah. Soon we'll achieve our dream of being bought out by a massive media conglomerate and um, be able to do desolation full time. But no, you keep you know keep them. We're on Facebook as well. Don't reject um, Sony if they offer to film you, right? No, of course no. not. Um, we learn that. We learn our lesson. Um, yeah, keep listening. Tell a friend. Yeah. Thanks very much. Thank you. Bye. Here, both of you, get your fat mouths around some hot crispy toast. toast! Damn it! Damn it! Coming out some toast.